B, C. It's easy as episode one, two, three. That's right. Episode 123. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. We're here to... I would normally say we're going to talk about horror movies, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Shit, how was your week? It's pretty laid back, dude. Not a whole lot going on. It's a lot of rain, a lot of sleep. Ooh, the big thing, which we could both talk about, which we'll just say we'll talk about more at the end of this episode, so stay tuned through Deadlands. We went and saw Midsummer last night. Yeah, no doubt, dude. That was a lot of fun. A whole gang of us went and saw Midsummer last night. So at the end of this episode, we will give our spoiler-free first thoughts. I want to make sure to keep them spoiler-free this time, because I think you're going to be on the same page with me with saying, like, we should probably just give it its own episode. Oh, yeah, at some point down the road, yeah, for sure. I think probably whenever they drop it on Blu-ray, we'll give it, like, a week so the others can all watch it again. And we'll just try to get the entire group that went to Midsommar in here on the show. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So we're not going to go too deep into it today, but we did go watch it. We do want to probably say a couple things about it at least. So that'll be at the end of this episode. Other than that, I have been watching a shit ton of things this weekend. (laughs) I pounded through the entire first season of the What We Do in the Shadows show. Can't recommend it enough. It was so fucking good, and, like, that movie set such a high bar, and maybe, like, five minutes of the first episode fall flat, and then it all starts to click in, and you're like, oh, shit, this is amazing. Awesome. Super good. Went and saw the new Spider-Man, though that's not as relevant to this show. I don't know, fucking Midsummer. I guess aside from just, you know, hanging out, we did get to celebrate our country's birth. Oh, yeah, So I loved up some freedom this week. I fucking celebrated by getting time and a half at work all yeah, that day. Yeah, likewise, dude. Ten hours of time and a half, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Didn't do a whole lot that night outside of watching the first couple of episodes of season three of Stranger Things, so that was kind of fun. Yeah, so that's been about it for me, man. Just like I said, watching that show, checking this film out, and that's been about it, really. Yeah, I don't really have much else either. News, is there anything worthwhile bringing up that we saw out on the web? Like... There's a couple things, but some of them aren't as big of stories as I thought they were going to be when I first saw the headlines. So No, I just have a few bits. The first one I'll lead off with is for fans of the James Gunn Brightburn. It looks like there are talks. I don't know when. Oh, Brightburn, yeah. There's possible Brightburn, too. Yeah. But he is wrapped up for the next few years with other projects. So Yeah, exactly. It looks like somebody had posted something on Instagram over the weekend and his response was, yeah, he's tied up for the next few years with Suicide Squad and then Guardians, but we're talking about the sequel. And that sequel, of course, is for Brightburn 2. Well, it looks like it made about $30 million, Brightburn, that is, against a $6 million production budget. So, Ooh, they stretched that $6 million. That movie looks a little bit more expensive than that. I did go catch that in the theaters, too, recently. Nice. Ooh, they made good use of that $6 million, so... I kind of like how they set it up, and the Rooker showed up at the very end. That was nice. kind of funny. So Hell yeah. Given his character, I don't want to give away too much, but given his character, like I wouldn't expect him to show up in a big way in a sequel, but if they could even get him back in a small way in a sequel, that would be a lot of fun too. So. Nice. Yeah, so we'll keep our eyes and ears low to the ground for that one. The next bit of news I have, it involves the It director, and that's Andy Muschietti. And it looks like he's going to be following suit with a couple of guys like James Wan and David S. Sandberg. And uh, there's talks for him to direct the Flash movie, that is. Mm. Yeah, so it's like, it's pretty neat. They say if he does join, more than likely his sister, Barbara Machete, 
will be on board to produce. Apparently, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, they were apparently attached to direct the film, but looks like it might be set up for Andy. I think if Andy does take it, I think he might end up being like the fourth or fifth director attached to that project. They've been trying to make that movie for a while now, and shit just keeps not happening. I think when they originally announced it, it was supposed to be coming out this year. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know what I mean? When yeah. they announced like the timeline when we're going to be like, doing this movie then, this movie then, this movie then. And then like Justice League and Bat V Soups didn't do all that well. <laughs> and they're like, we're rethinking the timeline. And that movie just, they haven't been able to get it together, man. But yeah, I would have to imagine, I mean, they can do kind of dark, the machetes. I'd have to imagine, I mean, the entire time everyone figures they're going to do Flashpoint. They have to do Flashpoint so they can deal with the emotional resonance of that storyline. So I don't know what else, the fuck else they would do, but... Uh, we'll see, you know, somewhere down the road, perhaps. Mm-hmm. All right, next little bit of news I have is, I actually saw a preview for it yesterday. I know we've talked about it several times, but as of right now, the scary stories of Tell in the Dark has been rated PG-13 for terror, and along with that... There's going to be some violence, some disturbing images, thematic elements, language including racial epithets, and brief sexual references. Now, Del Toro, in a recent interview and event, he said he wanted to make a family adventure, so he wants it to be, you know, of course, a family Mm -hmm. horror. Over it all, he said there's no blood in this movie, and of course, they wanted to stick to the fact that these books were intended for a younger audience. But the previews look pretty good. I might go check it out with my family. You know, something I grew up with. I'm it pretty sure like you grew up with reading illustrations them. brought to life. So. Yeah, it looks pretty solid. Yeah. So, you know, pretty excited about that. Next bit of news, this ties in two bits of news into one. Reason being is we've mentioned a while back that Chris Rock was getting his hands on the Saw franchise. Right, and they keep calling it Chris Rock's Saw, and I don't know how much he's actually involved other than he brought the idea to the table. Yeah, but. so I'm, I'm wondering, too, how much, like, hands he has producing it, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But it looks like Samuel Jackson's on board as well. Right. Which is pretty big news. That's okay. I mean, I'm I'm fucking way down at this point, especially if Sam Jackson is on board. But I don't know what his idea could be that they're fucking moving ahead with <laughs> this fucking quickly. I know, right? It's pretty exciting. Some of the news I have is, I know you mentioned this off mic, but they are beginning production on it. They've released a couple of bits on what the parts are and who's playing those parts. So Chris Rock is playing a police detective investigating a series of grisly crimes. And Jackson is going to portray his father. It looks like the other cast members are Mike Mangella. He's in Horns and Darkest Hour. He's going to play William Shank, who's Rock's partner, and Marisol Nichols. She was in Scream 2 in in Riverdale. She's going to play Captain Angie Garza, which is Rock's boss. So... Well, we'll see what happens. I know they haven't said anything quite yet, you know, about Jigsaw and all that stuff. Right. We'll see what happens with Tobin. So, I need to get caught up on the series. Man, I dropped off somewhere around. I want to say like five part six. For me. I know the last one I watched was five. So, yeah, it's been a hot minute since I've watched them too. I wouldn't mind getting caught up. Like I kind of dig the movies, even as like repetitious as they became. Yeah, I mean, we've knocked the first one off the list. You know, mm-hmm. well, eventually we'll get back to them. We'll see what happens. One I've probably actually seen the most is probably number two, actually. But yeah, I, which a lot of people get down on number two because it's, it's weird. Decent. It's a weird format compared to the rest of them. I agree. Yeah, it totally is. You're absolutely right. All right, I've got two bits of news to round out what I've read this week. But 
There are rumors. We've talked about the fact that Halloween did pretty well last year, and they want to open it up to sequels. And it looks like, at this point, David Gordon Green is slated to return, and there's also talks of it having back-to-back sequels being released within a month. I was about to say, I month. thought I saw this morning that they were saying back-to-back sequels, which is cool. Yeah. I like when they do the shit back-to-back, and like That's it all feels cool, like a, a big story. Because they're trying to tell a big story. Like, I'm okay with Even that. if they only put out one more, you know that they would still leave it open at the end, because you got to. It's Mike Myers. He comes back. <laughs> like That's the scariness. Absolutely. So I'm pretty excited about it. And on top of the fact that, you know, if David Gordon Green comes back, then I think it'll gel well, especially including the cast. So it's exciting news. And the last little bit of news I have is that Paramount is bringing the Adams Family Values to Blu-ray for the first time in October. Dope. Yeah, that's going to arrive on October 1st of this year. And uh, looks like there's also talks of it getting Eat a me. two movie DVD or a Blu-ray collection as well. So that includes the Adams Family movie and the Values movie, Family Values that is. Fucking love both those movies. Yeah. They remind me a lot of Turtles One and Turtles Two. Yeah. And how the first one is kind of dark in both cases. Yeah. And then the second one gets way more comedic, but <laughs> they both still work. You know what I mean? As movies, whereas sometimes like they're like, Gosh. oh, let's go comedic, and they're like, fucking, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I know what you mean. Bullshit. But no, I watched both of them. I yeah. didn't see either one of them in theater, but I remember when they came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were fun. Yeah, I didn't see either from in theaters. I do remember I the young. MC Hammer music video. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Adam Family. Damn, this shit's old school. I had that shit on. I had that single. They do cassette. what they want to do. Play. <laughs> yeah. Do what they want to do. Play out they want to play. Dig out they want. <laughs> that shit was funny, but the yeah. Adams family. If it's if it's a reasonably priced item, I might check it out. But yeah, that's pretty much the news of the week that caught my eye. You know, we talked about the fact we saw some movies. You saw more than one in the theater, so that's pretty. Dude, cool. All I've been doing is fucking watching shit this weekend. It's been great. Like I said, what we do in the shadows, dude. Anyway, yeah, it's got me excited to watch that. But now I'm actually pretty excited to talk about today's film. For various reasons, but yeah. Yeah, this this about to get interesting. Let's do this. And, oh, well, we're not going to find out how it made us squeal quite yet. But let's find out who went into this movie with the guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. All right. Guts and bolts. Episode 123. The Deadlands. 2014. New Zealand. Synopsis. You know what? So there's something I was thinking about this earlier today. I was going to put this so you all can understand how this episode came (laughs) to be. This will almost border on like the warnings for the episode, too, that we usually do at the end of this segment. But this movie is pretty violent. A good amount of blood, not necessarily gore, but it's decently bloody, right? Yeah, I agree. It's named The Deadlands. It has a supernatural element to it. It has cannibalism. And it is currently streaming on Shudder. This movie is an action movie. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay. I think those elements are kind of tiptoeing, like putting their, their little toes in the water of horror, but it's not horror. But I think people can follow that and understand why we ended up choosing this movie for this week. And then we're like, oh, it's a little bit different than I was hoping for. Yeah. But, but it's okay. It's, it's a okay. good movie. It's still a good film, yeah. So we're still going to end up talking about a good movie today. Just maybe not necessarily... I, I mean, I wouldn't even really call it action horror. It's an action movie. Yeah, it is. It just has these weird little elements brought into it. Absolutely. 
elements that we normally associate with horror, but don't have to be. They're just all sort of in this one spot. So, anyway. Synopsis. Oh, God. What's the boy's name? Anyway. Oh, Hongi. Hongi. Yeah. Homeboy. (laughs) (laughs) After some trickery and some bullshittery, our little homie's tribe gets wiped out by a rival tribe, and he goes to enlist the aid of a potentially mythic warrior, potential monster, to help him get his revenge. Yeah, so with that, we like to talk about the people who go into making the film and our cast, and this week I'm going to lead off with our director. This gentleman is Toa Fraser, and he's known for directing such films as Naming Number 2. He's also directed the highly acclaimed My Talks with Dean Spanley. He's also directed some episodes for a couple of shows I'm sure you've seen, Tyler. One of them I've actually watched as well, and that's Penny Dreadful. He directed the episode at Blade of Grass. He's also directed an episode of Daredevil, and that episode was Aftermath. And he's also directed an episode for the more recent Swamp Thing, and that episode is The Price You Pay. Oh, shit. I've been watching Swamp Thing, so I've seen that. I'm trying to remember which one The Price You Pay was. Anyway, I'll figure it out later. Nice. All right, and along with Mr. Fraser, our writer is Glenn Standring, and he's known for being the writer on such films as Truth About Demons, Perfect Creature in the film Six Days. He's also the creator of the upcoming The Deadlands TV series, which is currently in post-production. All right, along with these gentlemen, we have our cinematographer, and that is Leon Narby. And he's known for being the DP on such films as Whale Rider, The Orator, and 1,000 Ropes. Our editor is Dan Kircher. He's known for editing such films as Interim, Everything We Loved, and the film Six Days. The music was composed by... Don McLaughlin, and he has composed music for such films as Street Legal, Naming Number Two, My Talks with Dean Spanley, and Matariki. This film was produced by Matthew Metcalf and Glenn Standering. Production companies were Day Tripper Films and General Film Corporation. So I, I'm just going to cut in really quick because I had to look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The episode of Swamp Thing he did, I haven't seen yet hmm. because, unbeknownst to us, it's the one that just premiered two days ago. Oh, nice. <laughs> and we're covering his movie this week. Happy coincidence, right? Right? That's fucking dope. Yeah. That's funny. Anyway. Well, cool. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what you have to say about that episode. That's what I'm watching tonight. Like, that's what I'm going to have dinner with. Is Perfect timing. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so our distributors for the film were Transmission Films. They helped with the 2014 Australian theatrical release. And Bloody Disgusting, they helped present the 2015 United States theatrical release. The release dates were September 4th, 2014. That was in Canada at the Toronto International Film Festival. October 30th, 2014 in New Zealand. And March 1st, 2015 here in the States at the Long Beach Comic Expo. There is a tagline. And that tagline is, where the warrior spirit was born. Yeah. No, that works for this. If this was a horror movie, I think that would be a shitty tagline. But it's Uh, not. This is an action movie. That's pretty accurate for this. Totally agree. All right. So that is our crew. We can move along with our cast. And leading off, we have James Rolleston. He plays the role of Hongi. And he is known for such films as Boy... The Dark Horse and Pork Pie. I need to watch a boy. That's a Taika Waititi yeah, film. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's highly acclaimed. 
Especially, I just got done, like, sucking off what we do in the shadows. <laughs> yeah. Which, okay. like, we continued to talk about off mic for, like, an extra few minutes, but... It happens. But, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Uh, now, I was going to say, he was more recently, just a couple years ago, was in a big car accident, man. He had to learn how to, like, reread and walk and all this stuff. But, um, yeah, he's starting to do work on a television series I'm going to name here in just a little bit because there's a lot of people that are in it, that are in this film. All right, so along with James, we have our next actor, and that's Lawrence McCory. And he is known in this film as the warrior. And when I look back, he he actually had some roles in... Uh, this some, guy's a superstar for, as far as I'm well, concerned. A couple of, well, I'll say a couple, but there's several films now. He goes back because he was on Xeno, Warrior Princess, back in 1998. But the roles that he's probably more well-known for, even though he plays creatures in those films are the Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and The Return of the King. He was also in The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog. But he's not just, like, background. No, 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 he's pretty big bad. Let's see. This dude's the Witch King of Angmar. Yeah. Like, that alone is pretty fucking dope. But he's also Lurtz, who is the uruk leader in, like, oh, God, is it in Fellowship and Return of the King that Lurtz appears in? Or I think Lurtz might only be in Fellowship. But he's also Gothmog, who's the orc commander at the Battle of Pelennor Fields. And in Desolation of Smog, he's Bolg, who's another one of the, like, named, like, main fucking... <laughs> yeah, dude. So he's known for playing big baddies in some pretty mm-hmm. big films. So, yeah, it's cool seeing him in this. All right, now... The next actor that I have is Rena Owen. She plays the role of grandmother in this film, and she's known for such films as Once Were Warriors. She was also in AI, that's Artificial Intelligence. Now, she was also in Star Wars. She was in Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, and Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. And more recently, she's been in The Orville from uh, 2017 and 2019. It's a pretty cool scene in this film. All right, next actor I have is Te Kohei Tuhaka. He plays the role of Werepai. And he's known for being in such TV series as Shortland Street. This is from back in 2008 and 2009. Now, Shortland Street is a television series that a lot of these people are in. And that's including James Rolston. He was also in the film Go Girls. You might have seen him in Six Days, A War Story. And he is in the upcoming The Deadlands television series. I'm not sure what his role is, but it's pretty cool. The next actor I have is Xavier Horan. He plays the role of Rangi. And he's known for such films as Naming Number 2, My Talks with Dean Spanley. He was also in the Shortland Street television series back in 2009. He's in the films The Dark Horse, Ghost in the Shell, Six Days, and more recently he's in the West Side television series from 2015 through 2019. Got two more actors, and that pretty much rounds out my cast. I have Rokora Torai. She plays the role of Mehi. And she was known for some shorts, and both of those shorts were 12 and The Small Movements. And she was also in Find Me a Mori Bride from 2015, which is a television series. And to round out our cast, I have George Hanare. He plays the role of Tane. And he was also in Once Were Soldiers. He was in the television series Ocean Girl from 1997. He was in The Legend of Johnny Lingo. And he's also in Shortland Street, the television series. That was back in 2011. So that rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a synopsis. We should give you some more warnings. I mean, it, the action's decently brutal, Yeah, to be I'd say honest. most of it is. It's, it's action, violent. violence. There is some blood. 
not necessarily gore, but there was some blood. Yeah, there's you mentioned not cannibalism. Gore, there's a lot of cannibalism actually. Yeah, which is probably something there we is some about, drug but... use. Yeah, and just like peer pressure for drug use. Yeah, so pro- <laughs> surprisingly, there's no nudity. Yep, no nudity. I'm trying to think anything else outside of that. Uh, yeah, there's Without some, giving too there's much some away. shit eating. There, yeah, there is. There is some scat. <laughs> there are some beheadings. Yeah, but those are. I mean, do you see those? You get to see like the action a little bit of it, but I don't think you get to see like right. all the way through. Yeah, I mean, I guess the like there's a couple heads on pikes and shit too. Yeah, it's just mostly disturbing images for some people, but yeah, that's about all I yeah. can think of though. Likewise, shit. I guess let's get into how the Deadlands made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? Alright, the Deadlands. How did it make you squeal? <laughs> Is that the right question for this? Yeah, I mean, you can squeal and delight, I suppose. But... I mean, it's true. I mean, I've really enjoyed this movie. I did too. It's just, I'm trying to figure out exactly how to talk. Because normally we're like, oh man, like... We have all these questions afterwards and this and that. And like, this was pretty straight ahead. It is like um, any question that you might have is pretty much answered by the end of the film. Right. How's your notes start? <laughs> uh, well, one of the first things that caught my eye actually was the, the shit scene. Cause it's like, Oh damn. Ooh, good. Because that's where my notes start too. It's you shit skull. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this is getting Gigi Allen really quick. That's pretty cool. I wasn't expecting him to taste his own shit either. I know, right? Like, okay. Like, I get... For what he was trying to do, and basically just start a war early, I get shitting on the skull. I even get him holding up the skull to show us that he did, in fact, shit on the skull and wasn't... I don't know what else he would have been doing, but I thought it was pretty obvious. (laughs) But, you know, maybe some dum-dums out there need to see the shit on the skull. But, yeah, I didn't think he was going to take the taste. Like, how's it... (laughs) Chocolate flavor pretzel? Yeah, exactly. Now, here's another thing I was thinking as well. This film honestly could have ended right there, too, for one simple reason. Now, Hongi was blamed for it, and that mm-hmm. was the act that was pretty much started the war, right? It's the blame game. Right. And I was like, well, if they really wanted to know who had done it, all they had to do was a simple wipe test. <laughs> right? Yeah. Whoever has the shitty ass is the one who did it. That's true. And the who's, movie. Who's the shit ass? <laughs> right? I didn't even think about that. I mean, he didn't lick that well. Like, no. he probably still has some on his hand. He probably, yeah, he probably has a stink still on his hand on top of it. Yeah, just smell his hand and be like, well, I don't know. I don't know, shit hand. I don't know, we rapper. I don't know, shitty bridges. <laughs> but, so, I mean, in terms of movie logic, it's like, no, we keep going. He's the bad guy of this movie, but before we move on, I want to point out that the guy that's playing Wirepa is the star of the series that they're doing. Yeah, I believe so. And that has me excited, because I think he's going to be a good, like, series lead. Yeah, likewise. He's a good actor. Yeah. Pretty much everybody in this film I thought gives a really good, good performance. Job. Fucking The Warrior, dude. The Warrior was killer. Oh, oh, man. Well, it, it leads off with him chasing some guy in the woods. So you already get that sense that there might be a mythical warrior. But yeah, then it goes right into the that two That was tribes. the most horror scene in the movie. For the most part, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. Everything else is pretty much straight action. Right, because it's a cold opening. You don't know exactly who these people are yet. 
And you've kind of seen the story before, too. Like I said, yeah. it's like... This, it's really nothing new in terms of storytelling, but it's just unique. This is like unique. the prince. He's not a prince. You know, he's a chieftain's son. But father oh, gets yeah. betrayed. He inherits. Has to go seek revenge. Right. But it's okay. It's a... The difference is, is the other 999 times <laughs> you've seen that story played out is that it's been like all white people. Right. Exactly. So this one is unique because it is told from the Mori point yeah Yeah. and it's fun too because they're playing a lot with that particular culture too like a lot of this stuff is very accurate Ooh, yeah there's a couple like little things we can dip our toes into with that because like cannibalism yeah cultural cannibalism hot topic yeah 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 it's uh it's a taboo i did decide to do a little bit of research because historically all of the native peoples of that region have been accused of mass amounts of cannibalism due to racism and oh, yeah, fucking leftover hard feelings from colonialism and all sorts of bullshit like that. And so it is, even to this day, a bit of a hot topic, even when you do do the research, from what I understand. So what I'm going to say is there appears to be evidence, though, that the Maori might have done a little bit more cannibalism than some of the other tribes in the area. Some of the others would only do it for, you know, maybe... A certain ritual there's evidence to suggest that the maori anytime somebody was killed out of revenge they could be subject to being eaten but then you can sort of stretch the concept of revenge because like if you're at war with another tribe then every prisoner of war you can you know have your revenge against because they fight for the other side and you know we've lost some of our guys so and like you see in this movie, the warriors, he's taking revenge on people, but the revenge is for wandering into his tribe's lands. Yep. So he's eating the fuck out of them. Yeah, yeah. That's a perfect excuse as any. Yeah. But it's because of revenge. I don't know. It's one of those things. No, you're right. I mean, it's kind of a loose way of, when you say like that, the revenge, it's like, that's a very loose way of interpreting that. But, you know, it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good excuse as any, I suppose. So one of the cool things I thought about this movie, one of the super cool things, so I do, it's maybe not a specialty of mine, like I can't look up everything, but I've always had a lot of respect for like all of the Pacific Islander cultures, and I think it's partially due to the fact that like if I shave, I get mistook for being them all the time, and so I'm like, I might as well look them up a little bit. And... Yeah, yeah, you never know. Because dude, like if I if I clean shave, like... It's once a week. Somebody's either like, are you Hawaiian? Are you Samoan? Are you nice. fucking Maori? Are yeah. you like... Because it kind of fits, right? You can see it, right? Like if I fucking clean shave. Yeah, dude, you can You can see it, right? So I've looked up shit in the past and I've seen other things here or there. And some of the things I thought were cool were brought to the forefront in this movie, which is like the weaponry. And so you get to see like the mare being used. And even that, that's once again like... Technically, the one Hongi uses would for sure be a Mare. Yeah, because it's Jade. Because it's Jade, and because it's a chieftain's... Depending on the region, sometimes that's not a Mare. Yeah. Sometimes... Is it Patu? Yeah, just a Patu. Like, I guess the ones the warrior is using would be Patu. They say that basically it's like more wood or uh, whalebone mm-hmm. for the Patu, and then you have the Mare, it's more the Jade. But in some places, they're all Mare. Right, exactly. Exactly. So it doesn't really make fuck... <laughs> God, there's a lot of really dope stories about how effective the Mare is. What I find super interesting about it is that it's a club weapon that you use thrusting with, which usually you don't do with 
clubs for yeah. obvious reasons. <laughs> but because even the tip is sort of has that sharpened edge. Oh, yeah. It's not like a knife edge, but it's a ground down sharpened edge. Like you can still poke people with it. It's still going to hurt like a motherfucker. But what I think is cooler, even though like culturally there's a lot more respect for Mary. Some of them were thought to have almost like magical endowment. Some of them had their own names and had their own reputations to the point where like during certain things or if somebody had to be executed or something, they might loan them a Mare to have a better death by a better class weapon huh. because this one has a better reputation than that one, yeah. that sort of thing. However, I've always liked the Taiha a little bit. I think it's a super cool weapon and that's the spears that yeah, they're using. Yeah, yeah. The Taiha is kind of it's like a, a combination. Of yeah, it's a combo. You got basically one end is a spear, the middle is kind of just like a bow staff, and then the other end flattens out and is kind of like a fucking cricket bat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it's not a normal, it's a little bit paddle shaped, so you give it that extra edge so that if you can either parry with it with that big flat bit, or you can really fucking Funk crack somebody. someone. Yeah. The only downside being, of course, that makes it really awkward to hold that end. So, like, a traditional spear, you can't get quite the range that you'd have. Yeah, exactly. You're doing a lot more maneuvering from, like, the middle of the weapon. Yeah, and I read, too, that these weren't used like spears either. Like, they don't toss these at no, each other. No, they poke them. Yeah, it's like most of the combat is, like, hand-to-hand. So fucking cool. Yeah, they are fucking dope. I did write down quite a few of the different weapons that I noted. One of them, too, was the uh, Toki which is the single-handed axe. Oh, yep. And that was the one that Wario used. And I saw a little documentary and Toad Fraser. They were talking about the fact that they wanted to give him kind of like a crafty, you know, like a a worn kind of down guy who not only used that to probably build ships, you Mm -hmm. know, but also, of course, for defense and all that stuff. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, the weapons were pretty dope, man. And I think the use of the combat and the choreography that took, you know, some pulling off... (laughs) It did a good job. It looked really good, really believable. Yeah. One of my little issues, I've talked about this in the past when we've had action scenes pop up in movies, is that the filming of action scenes, sometimes they do it in a way to cut together the fact that they don't have that great a choreography, and sometimes it's cut together because that's how people think action should be filmed, because so many other people have done it. I didn't like the amount of quick cuts in this, because I did want to appreciate this martial art more which is one that i have hardly ever seen as compared to what you get in most martial arts movies they kept pretty good continuity of motion so that you could sort of still piece together what was going on there was a couple times i got lost in the cuts but from what i could tell like the choreography was on point i don't think they were doing it because they were hiding it up i think they were doing it to try to convey how frenetic the action that going on was there was like there's a a really cool little feature at that was on YouTube, and it showed some of that process. Like, it looked like they went through about a six-week training. Just like, it was a six-hour-per-day training session. They were told to lay off sugars, carbs, you know, all that stuff, because they wanted to be in tip-top shape, but they also they were showing... They fucking looked like it, because yeah. this was like the Maori version of 300. Dude, they all were of those ripped. guys fucking jacked. <laughs> yeah, that was like, that's one thing I noticed, too. I was like, God damn. But no, part of it, too, was... The use of the weaponry and trying to make it, like I said, trying to make it authentic. I think they said they were kind of shooting for a 16th century kind of vibe for this film. Mm. So that's why some of the language, too, they used. They wanted it to be specific. 
during that time period as well. Right, which, I mean, I, I don't know. No, Because I don't speak either. it. But they, I have to imagine that it's something like, if you watch Pan's Labyrinth and you speak Spanish, and you kind of understand that, like, the phone is using a bunch of, like, older, archaic, super formal forms and stuff, I bet it's sort of the same thing going on. Yeah, and that's what they were saying, too, because it's just like in most places, there's a lot of different dialects depending on the region you're in. But for this particular film, they wanted to be specific for that time period and the way that the language flow. They said that the Maori back then didn't really think about what they wanted to say. They just the words came and then just it would flow. That's why there's a lot of the quick flowing language in this film. One of the things I did notice that fucking blew me away is some of them might, but I know a few of those actors don't actually sport those mocos. Yeah. And they looked good. Like, they actually, whoever the makeup department was, did a good job of making it look like it was I did notice chiseled that too. in. It looked really good. Because back then, you're not using a needle. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, the, the traditional way is the, the tapping. Yeah. The tatao. It's the, the tapping. That's where you get the word tattoo from. Yeah. And so those motherfuckers, to get those tattoos, it was what, like, oh, like man. I can't remember what they used as needles, but... But it still, was literally man. like more gouging in the skin and leaving behind. So it was like a, almost more scarification, not quite. Right. But, but I know what you're saying, yeah. But also leaving behind the ink. Like some of those tattoos that I know that those people don't actually have looked like they had kind of gouged in a little bit. And yeah. I was like, shit. What? Well, I didn't bring the names up, but I looked at some of the people who were in the makeup department and like the special effects and whatnot. And uh, they're known for some pretty cool films. I mean, most of them were like Lord of the Rings, just because, you know, shot in New Zealand. But, yeah, they get, they had their hands on some pretty cool projects. People out there on the internet, like, correct me if I say something wrong. I'm not trying to be disrespectful if I do fuck something up <laughs> about this. This is all shit I've just tried to glean from the internet, because I do think it's fucking dope. So Yeah. I mean, <laughs> culture is fun regardless, mm-hmm. yeah. There was a part of me that was kind of hoping... When Hongi went looking for Warrior, when he ran into Warrior's wife at first, that you would find out that that was actually the Warrior. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would have been dope, wouldn't it? Right. Nice little uh, trick. Nice little trick. She she was good. Yeah. Because that's not the same wife that shows up later. No. No, it's not. I thought she was did a little bit better job. I kind of liked her, and she was all kind of space cadetted out on the fucking shrooms, but also like still doing her job yeah. and like. This might be, I'm not going to spoil too much, but it's just, I found it coincidental, maybe ironic, that the two films that we watched this weekend both dealt with mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, cool. Then you get, like, the best, I fucking laughed so hard at the fucking, even small things can be useful. And I was like, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. That's what he said to she said. <laughs> yeah, that's why he was laughing at him. <laughs> it's like, Wow. But yeah, the dialogue was good for those two. Him laughing like that and kept I was like, we'll we'll see if I'll eat you or not. I kind of laughed at the fact that like the preferred mode of travel around the island seemed to be just flat out sprint everywhere. It's like we got shit to do. Yeah, you're right. They were hauling ass. Like, what the fuck? I cannot do that. I. No. But it also made me think too, like how different it is for us being in the West, where we you know we wear shoes everywhere we go. It's like our feet would have been fucking tore up doing I know, maybe that. Maybe when I was like seven years old in the middle of summer. Oh, yeah. like I used to go barefoot a shit ton when I was like was a young thing, whippersnapper. Yeah. Go on the, out in the woods everywhere else barefooted. Yeah. So I might have been able to handle it back then. 
Now, no. Like, my feet get fucking... Shredded. Just torn to fucking pieces. Like, you know, there's a scene later on in the film where their feet are shredded, but ours would have been like, forget it. Shit, right? Yeah. Oh. We're not getting across that. Yeah, I ain't flat out sprinting anywhere. I'm flat out crawling my ass around. <laughs> Hell yeah. But you're right. These, these guys sprint. They're in good shape. So they start picking off the guards. That's cool. Oh, that's the thing I was going to get back around to, though. For me, a little bit of the downside of this movie is, like, if you're going to highlight these cool-ass weapons so much, because, like, everybody's using Mare or fucking Patu. Patu, yeah, and it's fucking dope as shit. And then you get, like, the shark teeth, rimmed ones yeah. and shit later on, which... Like, they don't hardly even use for, like, more than 30 seconds before he switches to, like, some other Pachu. Yeah. (laughs) Throw a little bit more budget or decide to just go a little bit more hardcore. Maybe it wasn't a matter of budget, but just what they were willing to show on screen. And have them, like, really getting fucked up by these weapons. Uh, Yeah. Because, like, those those, the Patu is going to be really fucking up your head if you're getting hit by that shit. You know what I mean? Did you read any, like, what the purpose of it? I mean, initially it was supposed to, like, break the collarbone Mm -hmm. so it weakens the defense. And then you hit him behind. There's a particular part in the head. It's like the softest spot right behind the ear. But that's pretty much to finish them off. Uh, yeah, I thought I read something that I was also saying, though, that there was, like, reports that, like, oh, yeah, if you fucking sure. jabbed it, like, into the temple and flicked your wrist just right, you'd basically just open up the top of someone's head, like, yeah. fucking can. Like, and, Well, that's the thing, too, is they said at an early age, they would train with balls to get your wrists and your joints to move in particular movements for these weapons. Yeah, so I'm sure there was all kinds of movements, flick of the wrist, just a flick of the wrist, <laughs> fuck somebody up. And that's the thing. The edges are sharpened, yeah. but they're not sharp. Right, right. They're, it's more blunt. And so you're still caving in shit. And I guess that's what I wanted to see. But for the most part, like, there's a decent amount of blood in this movie. And the choreography is such that, like, when people get hit, it looks brutal. But then you just end up with, saying, like, yeah. a stripe of blood across somebody's face. Yeah, it, you're right. I think it would have been more impactful if you had actually saw, like, the, the crushing stuff. Yeah. And then if you have Warrior really fucking people up... You're right, because he is a monster, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. in their eyes, he's a mythological warrior. So yeah, you want to see more brutality because of that. I mean, and it's cool, whatever. Like, that's just kind of a stylistic choice at this point, because the action was pretty fucking violent and brutal, in my opinion, still. just I still liked it. Yeah, I know what you mean. It could have been ramped up a little bit. Yeah, it just, it, it almost, when you're highlighting it so much, it almost felt like it was pulled back at that point, like... Good point. And that's the thing. In a way like, that I, almost didn't make sense. Yeah, I'm sure that they did have some limits, too, to what they could show. Even though you're having cannibalism. But that's a good point. <laughs> they keep saying I guess you're too. not seeing the guys getting chopped up. You're just seeing the, eating some meat afterwards. I was curious, but, too, to see how far they would go when they were showing the that. the drinking blood. He, that was he pretty whacks, fucked up. like, the one dude's arm mm-hmm. while he's talking to Hongi. I'm like, damn. Made me wonder, too, yeah, how far they were going to go with that. But one thing I do like, too is when Hongi and or the warrior get to speak with the ancestors, who was only winds up being grandmother. Mm-hmm. But I do like some of that. Like It's it's kind of neat that they put that aspect in this That film. was all really cool. I liked the set for it, and it was kind of dreamy, and I liked the lights and shit in the background. Like That was all really cool. Yeah, it was neat. Um, I think it was kind of neat that they were putting that in there. I mean, to give you that sense that they're talking to their ancestors. I like them. 
the fact that like even though warrior didn't end up being a monster and is just a warrior yeah who took out his entire village there still ended up being a supernatural aspect to this movie i thought that was kind of neat and the fact that they're playing with almost the fact that like warrior might not have been an actual myth but things from their mythology might be real things from the in this universe you know what i mean yeah, yeah which makes i think the fact that they're turning it into a tv show even more interesting with the ways that you could expand on that depending on how That's you want to go i do like the fact that yeah they're still keeping that supernatural element because even though we get to see him as like you know the man who's writing a wrong in a sense but his story's still going to be told mythologically mm-hmm. you know a monster who had some humanity I will say, though, I was kind of hoping when we were going into this that we were basically going to end up with, like, the Maori version of Dog Soldiers. Oh, dude. That would have been dope, wouldn't it? Which, if you want to turn that into the Deadlands TV wow. show, I'm all for it. That's what the Deadlands are, yeah. Right? Make the... Stop yeah, I want to see some like... Because <laughs> the only supernatural aspect was basically good in this movie. Right, right. I want to see what happens... When, when some of the bad is also real. Yeah. Not just awesome. talking to the ancestors in good way. I want to see what happens when the bad is also real. And I want to see what the bad is. I don't know enough of their mythology. That's to... very. That's a very good point. Because all we do get to see, for the most part, is the good side of it. The humanity, I guess, in it. But, yeah, that'd be fun to play with. I don't know if I was annoyed, but... I was a little... I know. Fuck it. I was a little bit annoyed because he <laughs> does whack at him with a weapon this is quite a bit later we're sort of skipping some chunks in the middle but like sort of the final showdown area when they're at the gate and we repa actually manages to piss hongi off and he like fucking slams up against the gate and shit and then like the two guards come up and they're getting in his face why didn't we repa not we why didn't warrior just fucking like on either side of him just spear just i could have he whacks at him with his with his fucking patu yeah and he just manages to, like, drive him off. But, like, they both were, like, right up against... Oh, they go stabby-stabby. All he had to do is whoop-whoop. And then there's only three of them left or whatever at that point. Yeah. Or... No, there was a few things, too, where it's like, man, if honestly, if they wanted to kill Warrior or Hungi, they had plenty of chances to do it. And they kept backing off. Yeah. And that was something I was going to... I was trying to figure out how to talk about, like... The choreography and the fighting in this is really cool, but I think there's a cultural aspect to it that I'm missing. I understand, like, the face-making and shit and how that fits in, but I don't understand, like, backing off in the middle. Was that just so they'd have more opportunities to show? Is that something that they would actually do? Something akin, sort of toying with their enemy, sort of like, before actually killing them? Or even if there was instances where they would just do shit like that and then not kill them, kind of like counting coup with the natives over here. Yeah, you know that's what I a mean? good point. There is something that that's lost on us because we we don't know, but it's still kind of neat. And, and I it, was wondering if it was something akin to that, where like counting coup, where you try to get in close enough to touch your enemy and get back out without getting killed. You know what I mean? You're it. <laughs> what is there something huh. in that in their akin warrior culture akin to that, where they were getting in, beating him? And then starting the fight again just to show them that he can still beat them? I don't know. This is where, if anybody's in the Pacific Islands, Maori... Let us fucking know. Yeah, let us know. This is the fun part. But 
that was something that I've I noticed. But of course, if they end them, that's the end of the story as well. So can't really do that. The one thing I noted too, like the one thing that stood out to me, and I, I know it's because of the warrior culture, but it's like these are some tongue flicking superheroes. If there ever was any, but I kind of like that too. Yeah, it's like, I like that. Even the woman who plays uh, Mayhi, the one who winds up fighting the warrior in the river or whatever. Oh right, that, yeah. Even her, like sticking out her jaw, so you can see her her war paint and her expressions. Is like that was supposed to be common too for women who were warriors as well. So that was kind of neat. I didn't get her trying to jump on his dick so quickly. No, me either. It's like, oh, so you're his dad? <laughs> I seriously thought that I like missed some part of the movie i i did rewind that's a it. good point too the first time through i was like man that was that was a quick exchange from her calling hongi like a brave and proud warrior to her trying to hook up with the warrior the monster yeah and it's not until she finds his uh dead marks the dead tribe marks she's like whoa whoops don't touch me she's like what are you talking about don't touch me <laughs> oh man yeah i was like i really thought i missed something I still feel like I missed something, but no, you didn't, because I was thinking. All right, I, I was like, I, I was thinking that too. It's like somewhere I missed something where there was a quick cut and something was said or something happened. And I missed it. Even that after that scene, there's another quick one to where actually they're fighting, and I was like, did and I miss something and there? And it's like six hours later. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck happened? It's in like between night. all that. Yeah, he's waking up because he's having a vision. Yeah, so it's stuff like that. It's like there's really quick and the time lapses too. It's hard to judge what the fuck's going on. Oh, one of the coolest fucking things in this movie, though. I was talking earlier about the quick cuts during the fights. There's one part towards the end where I thought it was used super fucking brilliantly, though, where they do quick cut transition where, how does it go when it's warrior slamming the one guy down, and as he hits... It fucking transitions to Hongi getting slammed down by Wagrepa. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of a mirroring what's going on with those mm-hmm. two. Yeah. Oh, it's done so perfectly along the choreography. I loved that. I'm like, I do not even care that the action was only going for half a second before it cut. Like yeah. that was fucking beautiful. But yeah, no, there are some really like so the the choreography is really good. One thing I noted too is I did like the score. Like it felt at times it felt a little synthy. But I felt like it kept up with the action beats just enough. There was some parts in it where it's like they probably could have used a different probably sound mm-hmm. to give it more of an action-y feel. But I thought it was still pretty solid. That was pretty good. It accentuated certain parts of the movie. And so I guess at the very end of the movie, my final sort of thought on how the story and everything played out was sort of... Towards the end of this, I do like the overall sentiment of what they were trying to get across at the end of this. Any sort of breaking away from, like, the ideals of this warrior culture, because all it does is lock people into this endless loop. Perpetuates revenge. Perpetuates revenge. (laughs) All it is is these sons trying to live up to their fathers. Fathers who really don't seem to care. They care more about keeping the system in place. Like, even Hongi's father, who was pretty much acknowledged to be, like, a really great guy was totally willing to off his son yeah. as long as it would stop the war. Exactly. But you're right. That goes to show, and that's another big note I have, is that there's this huge system of honor and nobility that kind of counterproductive or counterintuitive to what it actually means and how it is actually portrayed in this culture. And Warrior points it out about halfway through the movie. He's like, you need to stop listening to that bullshit. 
there's no honor in fucking dying. Yeah, and then he spells out what his honor meant and why he's considered a monster. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was really neat because that the whole point I felt in this film is that they were just mirror images of each other, which is just have different circumstances and you know how they're going to um, either take revenge, like I said, in that perpetual war state. And in uh, the monster's case, he's just trying to find some kind of humanity left in him. Mm-hmm. He gets accepted by a different tribe, essentially, yeah. And so I like the overall sentiment behind that and the fact that they sort of set it up with that warrior speech. And, like, it's very much felt throughout the movie and oh, in yeah. different ways. And with the Wee Repa character who's willing to fucking dishonor his own ancestors just to start a war to please his father. Yeah. He just wants just to uphold to the glorious. warrior ideal. However, the practicality of how it all plays out doesn't make any fucking sense at all. We Repo would have absolutely killed Hongi. Oh, this dude. dude was willing to disrespect it. it. This dude was willing to shit on his own ancestors. Yeah, he just to start a war. Hongi. I mean, realistically, a long time ago. <laughs> if I, it doesn't matter. He was willing to go across the Deadlands. Yeah, because he already thinks that like the spirits are just gonna be happy to see everything that he's accomplished. And so Hongi saying that, like, the spirits here are going to be witness to this isn't going to mean jack shit to this guy. <laughs> yeah, like, there's yeah. no way that he wouldn't have just fucking... Well, yeah, exactly. got up and wailed his fucking... He, I mean, he might have a Mary. <laughs> I, I didn't pay he attention to would... what he was using, but his might be a Mary. <laughs> yeah, they, they would have fucked him up. <laughs> He's a chieftain's out. son. Those guys were jacked. He was only 16, 15. Yeah. Whatever. What Hongi should have done was, like, give his own speech where he's like, oh... Nobody's going to tell stories about you. Like, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to make it look like he killed you. And people are just going to think that you were another victim of the monster in the Deadlands. Nobody's going to remember your name. They're going to remember you as food. Oh, dude, they could have laid him on top of his boy. <laughs> like, nope, there was something else going like, on. <laughs> I'm not going to go tell your family that I killed you and perpetuate this revenge. Yeah. Like, you're going to be killed by the monster. And people are just going to remember that you ended up as food. Yeah, in the Deadlands. Like, there were several times in this film where it could have ended uh, more soon <laughs> than it actually did. But overall, I do like the final message. Like this film has a message. That's the whole point too. It's like we just mentioned. So I, I like that aspect of it. There's like I said, nothing that you haven't seen before. It's just told in a different culture. It's going to be lost on us because we don't understand all the fine tunings of it. But I still find it interesting. Because you don't get this perspective every day. No, not at all. I'm super intrigued by the fact they're trying to get into a series. Like I when am, I saw that, I was like, "Whoa, this this is interesting." I wonder what they're going to do I with it. I want to watch it yeah. really badly. So the story writing was really good. Choreography really good. Strong acting, really good story. Unfortunately, but it's not unfortunate in this sense. Unfortunately, it's nothing that we haven't seen before. But it's just unique in this storytelling because of the cultural aspect of it. Absolutely. And that's what I like about it, yeah. That's about all I got for Deadlands. Yeah. No, it was just one of those things, too, where, like, you know, we never really got to talk about the Maori culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked about a film from New Zealand, of course, but this is just a different twist to it. This is completely different. But I liked it. I mean, even though it's not horror, it's still a solid film. I fucking dug it. Um, Well, let's take a second, and then we're going to talk about our spoiler-free Initial impressions of Ari Aster's Midsummer. Yeah, Midsummer. In Midsummer ish. Couple weeks away. You got your tickets, right? <laughs> we hope so. We've been talking about this for a long time. 
Yeah, so we went and watched it. Big ass crew. Most of them have been on the show, all except for one. That was dope. Yeah, it was. That alone made for a really good experience. But I don't know. I guess where would you rank that? Like, Hereditary was your fucking favorite movie last year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, because we've only seen it once, my initial take is is I still feel like Hereditary is a stronger film than this one. Even though I really, really, really enjoyed the shit out of this one. They're just two different films. They left me with different emotions. Mm-hmm. Hereditary was further down on my list, though it was still one of my top films last year. I don't want to knock it by any means. I'm having a hard time. It's kind of neck and neck for me. So far, I think maybe Hereditary still edges out Midsommar a little bit. Right. But I think if I rewatch it, even one more time, it might overtake yeah, it. Yeah, that's okay. Like, I have no problems with it because... A, because, you know, art is subjective, of course. People like different films for different reasons. That's fine. But the thing is, like, both of these films, for his first two films, it's like, that's pretty impressive, you know, when you can make that argument for both. Because typically there's a dip in form, you know, but it's like, they stand on their own two feet for different reasons. The ridiculous strength of the family story in Hereditary is what's still edging it out for me. Yeah, and, But and the strength of everything oh else God. in Midsommar is what's... Yeah, this is totally in your face. And if you have seen Hereditary, then you'll know how both of these films kind of play out differently, that is. Whereas with Hereditary, things are more drawn out. I feel like, for me, there was more tension, more dread because of the grief. And I didn't know exactly which direction they were going with that. And then when they make the shift towards horror, it's like, oh, they were setting this up the whole time. Whereas this, because we've seen so many folk horror films, I was and, kind of anticipating And Ari Aster himself has acknowledged, like, if you've seen folk horror, you know what's going to yeah. happen in this So movie. that's what, it made me kind of it's giddy. Like if you have heard of yeah. The Wicker Man, you know what's going to happen in this movie. Yeah, so that's a really strong point about this film. Is I didn't know exactly which direction he was going to go in, but... When he sets it up, you kind of already do know. It's just you wonder how the payoff's going to happen. And that's what I enjoyed about that. That's the thing. When I woke up this morning, I was still thinking about the movie a bit and how I was going to try to describe it. And the word generic kept coming to mind, but I I feel like that's taken too negatively. Nothing about this feels generic is the thing. Right. And I think the thing is that this movie feels familiar. It does. I think there are certain tropes he plays with, you know, and I think... He's even kind of joked about that a little bit, too. It's Like you yeah. said, if you've seen this particular film or that particular film that fits in this mold, then you know what to expect. Like you but were saying. you also have no idea what to expect. No. There were certain parts in this where I was like, holy shit. Like those kind of moments. And then there's the blend of comedy, which I really like, too. And some of the weirdest, cultiest moments of this movie <laughs> had the entire theater yeah. fucking laughing. Oh just. my god. Because it was like, for real right now? <laughs> Something horrific blended with this weird comedy. But I like that. It's like, when you think of dark humor, or black comedy, this is kind of what I think of. Like this, It's kind of absurd right now. But it works. Yeah. As we were musing last night, also I'm very curious how much different this movie is if you speak Swedish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point too. But like we were just saying, like he was never concerned with the fact of trying to trick people. Everyone knows what the story is going to be. It's what is the movie by the end of it. Yeah. 
And, um, and this movie is a fucking trip. Literally a trip. Somebody has done drugs. Ari Aster has done drugs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is, in this case, is a really good thing. Because it's like, I like that because it makes me wonder for people who do not do psychedelics or dab into that kind of realm, how that makes them feel watching this film. Because to me, it was like, whoa, this is pretty neat. <laughs> like, oh, I've seen those trees before. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen my feet look like that, but that was pretty cool. Yeah. Or my hands, that'd be awesome. Everything being bright was amazing. Oh, yeah. I was really the looking forward to that. The horror being out in the sunlight is... Beautiful. So, yeah, it's so great. I think that's one of the things that we often see with... We've talked about in the past that, like, not only is there a lot of horror movies, because you can generally make them a lot cheaper than you can make other movies, but there's a lot of shitty horror movies <laughs> because you can make a lot of them. And everything tries to hide in the darkness, and this entire movie was just yeah. terror in like blinding bright light. Man, that was another factor that I was really looking forward to. Is Yeah, typically horror films would take place at night. This, right there out in the open. In daylight, broad daylight. So yeah, there's another fun part of the film. I do wish there was a little bit more tension in it. Yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot. There's not right. a whole lot of tension. Because you know, if you're paying any amount of attention to the movie, you know who's going to die probably by 20 minutes in. Yeah, I think you should know by that point. If you're familiar. You probably have figured out who's going to live by that point too. Yeah, I think so. I think there's enough clues. Even by 20 minutes into this 2 hour and 20 minute movie that... <laughs> there was a part of me last night that felt kind of proud of the fact that we do this, you know, because mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I'm kind of seeing all these little tricks that we talk about from week to week. And the more we see these, the more we understand why they're used. So that was fun. It's like seeing certain things, knowing what they meant technically. And it's like, this is really cool. There wasn't a sort of standard tension that we're used to or that even like Hereditary uses, like you brought up earlier. But there was a sense of, like, impending doom. No doubt. What is this all going to actually lead to? Yeah, what is the... We uh, know in broad strokes what's going to happen. Right, but there has when, to be a certain how? finality or a conclusion to all of this. Yeah, and that's another thing, too. Is like, how are they going to wrap this up? What is the point? For me, I like the payoff. I really do. I think it fits for the what payoff this... payoff is almost hopeful. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it because we're going to save it, but... One of the people that we've done more recent reviews with, we were talking and I was like, yeah, this is what I got out of the film. This is my initial impression. So we talked about that. It was funny because when I walked over initially, I saw their face and I was like, ooh, what is that face? <laughs> it didn't look like a happy ending face. It looked like, well, what the fuck did I just see face? <laughs> so that's going to be fun. Yeah. Highly recommend. Likewise. Whether or not you're a fan of folk horror, whether or not you're a fan of Ari Aster, I'd say check this film out oh, regardless. I guess if somebody has heard me talk about Hereditary, the big triumph of this movie is I do not feel like the studio stepped in at any point in this movie. I feel like they gave yeah, Ari Aster pretty much free reign from what I could see on film. Like, it doesn't look like they really <laughs> fucking held back. <laughs> yeah, considering. <laughs> holy moly. I think you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about Hereditary. It's like, yeah, you do feel like there was probably a certain production reach. Because we talked about the fact he wanted to make that like a three-hour film. Mm -hmm. you know. So yeah, anyway, I do feel like he was given more liberty in this film. 
And it's beautiful what he does with that liberty. Yeah. I want to see so much more. If this is what he's going to give us, like when he's let off. Dude. <laughs> I mean, even if he's on the fucking chain, if he's going to give us hereditary every time, then I'm down. Yeah. But if you let him off the chain and we're suddenly getting midsummers all the time from him, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm cool with that for sure. Can we get him to like hook up with fucking Panos Cosmatos? Oh, man. I think that would like, be a wild trip for sure. Even if it was like an anthology. I would be quite all right with that. He and Jordan Peele and, and Panos. Yeah, or uh, I was thinking he Imagine. and Panos and Takashi. Takashi. I'd throw in John Evernall, too. Oh, that's better. <laughs> yeah, there like we go. Like more modern. Those guys would be a trippy nightmare. <laughs> well, I'm going to go, like, spank at fantasizing about that movie <laughs> that's never going to get made. That's our trinity right now. In a lot of ways, I think that really is our trinity right now. Those guys can almost do no fucking wrong right now. But, I mean, that's really encouraging because a lot of those guys are right around our age. So that's exciting. I agree. Go watch it. Yeah, we highly recommend it. It was a fun film. It's nice to see with a group of friends, too. So if you're more accustomed to seeing it by yourself, this one's good for a crowd who is accepting of maybe a little bit more on the artsy side of horror. Mm-hmm. And we need to figure out what we're going to oh. <laughs> We have some choices up in the air, but we, we haven't do. figured out what we're doing next week yet. But it's going to be a lot of fun. And I swear to God, it's going to be horror. Yeah, that's okay, dude. <laughs> like, this film was a good break. But it still had enough action and blood to keep me going, too. Yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was great. I understand why it's on Shudder. But it's I mean, not horror. I mean, come on, Ongbok 2 is on Shudder, though. Yeah, yeah, given. That's okay. Oh, hey, by the way, I'm not trying to knock Shudder and... Also, go watch Ong Bak, too, because it's one of the finest martial arts movies you could ever fucking watch. Well, that's a point we're making, too, is, like, they'll slip in those films, and that's okay, because they're still good and fun. The last 20 minutes is, like, one long fight scene. It is in-fucking-credible. I kind of want to go watch Ong Bak, too, right now. (laughs) Uh, But we're going to figure out what we're going to bring to you guys next week. But in order to listen to us next week, please hit subscribe, however you're listening to us right now. Or you can always head over to our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Up at the top is links of other ways of listening to us. Down at the bottom, we're always streaming the latest episode. In between, you can find the archives of all of our episodes, as well as links to all of our online portals, the Facebook, the Insta, the Twitter. You can always contact us through the website. Or, oh shit, it's starting to storm outside. Or squirmcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And please, like, it'd be super cool if, like, you guys would, like, rate us, especially at, like, Apple Podcasts, but, like, anywhere, like, you can give a rating, it'd be super cool if you guys were like, yeah, we fucking love these guys. Yeah, we'd like to get more people in touch with us, too, so if you have recommendations, suggestions, if you have a film that needs some eyeballs on it, let us know, we're always up for that, but, yeah, we love hearing from you. But for this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms out.